Hello and welcome back to the Tune Lighting Podcast, where myself and my bandmate, Jack Edwards, are attempting to write and record a musical album in just one year. Uh, and we're making this podcast to document that so you can follow along yourself. And maybe when we've finished it, it'll be a nice template for anyone who wants to do the same. And speaking of people that maybe want to do the same or are trying to tune light themselves, uh, this week we've, we welcome our first guest to the podcast. And uh, I know him fairly well. I've known him for a while. That's because it's my own brother, Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hey. Hello. Uh, I'd just like to start by uh, saying that Matt's voice is very similar to mine uh, because <laughs> because he is related to me. So I, I did do a different. Uh, voice. Yeah, I was thinking, do I put on a different voice? Like, or you could you put on a slightly, uh, maybe an <laughs> accent of some sort, like an American accent? Because I was thinking American accent makes the podcast sound more professional. Um, anyway. So, you know, maybe something like that. Or every time, just before you're about to speak, maybe say, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Matt here. I just want to reassure people that we haven't made Matt up. Um, it's, not just, it's not just Rob speaking from a different perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I exist. Yeah. Anyway, the reason that we've got Matt on in, and what we've, met, we've mentioned this in a previous episode is that he has taken up this challenge too of trying to write and record an album in a year. So, uh, and he's the first person that we've heard of who has taken up the challenge. We've we've had people email in, but no one has explicitly said that they are taking up the challenge apart from Matt. So we'd like to firstly thank you for taking up the, the challenge. Um, and are you sticking to the same timeline as us or did you start slightly uh, later? I actually, I started a bit later. I wrote it down in this. I got a little book. That's how organised I am for this project. Um, I think I'm like a month after you, maybe. But basically the same. Uh, April 22nd is when I oh. started. So we started April April 2nd. So oh, okay. oh, a couple of weeks. I mean, yeah. So if I saw 20 days at the end, that could be. So... Yeah, in this interview, we're gonna we're gonna throw you a few questions your way, um, see why you've decided to take take up this challenge now too, uh, and yeah, we'll 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 delve in a bit into your what you've done so far. So, starting off, what music production have you done in the past? Is this completely new to you? Have you ever picked up any musical instruments in your life? What have you done? Where, where are you start? What's your starting point? I feel like I am starting for the very first time because it's been so long since I've done anything. But I was in a band at school called Fine Martini. That was from the age of maybe 14 to 17. That's definitely the most committed musical project I've ever been a part of. And it was not good. But we practiced every week. And we wrote maybe five songs. It was mainly, it's kind of the classic school band situation where we were pretty much in it for the covers rather than the writing. In it for the girls. In it for the girls, (laughs) yeah, and the martinis. Can you remember Um, why you started a band in the first place? Did you just, you love music and a few of you were like, we all love music, let's write our own. Or was it just the cool thing to do? It's probably a mixture of all of the above. It's a good question. I think it seemed like the thing that we should do, because we we did really like music, and there was definitely, like... There weren't that many... That was, that was our defining thing at school, was we were the people who liked music, so we probably should have been in a band. And there were three of us who could play instruments, so I played bass, my friend played guitar, and I had a friend who played drums... And we actually ended up recruiting a guitar, another guitarist from a different school. So someone I didn't even know, who was like a friend of our guitarist from Scouts or something. <laughs> um, nice. And we formed this band. And yeah, we practiced every week. It was really great. We Most of that was just playing 
Call of Duty and eating pizza, but it was <laughs> great. Like, it, I guess it was just like a social thing more than anything. But we did record. And the band eventually recorded. did it just peer out, or did they get rid of you and go on to become someone really famous? Like, you might have heard of them. <laughs> well, not quite. Our our lead singer left us to join another band. Ouch. Who didn't make it. And I guess we just eventually just disintegrated when we left school. Or maybe even in sixth form, I can't remember. Um, and then, but the guitarist, who was the guy from the different school, he ended up playing in a band who got signed called Racing Glaciers. Look them up, they're good. Um, they have an album. I don't know. what they, they have They've done it already. There. Yeah, they've done it. I don't know if it took them a year, but I think they did it full time so technically doesn't count probably took him less than yeah um so yeah i did that we recorded three or four songs in a studio where we paid a man to sort out all the stuff so it's very different to this project but then actually there was one you'll remember this rob i got for i think either my birthday or christmas when i think i was like 14 or 15 an audio, a Line 6 audio interface that came with a light version of Ableton and a software called Gearbox, which is like, it's like an amp for guitars and basses with all the effects you could ever need. And that was like, that was the best thing ever. I'd, it must have been the most intuitive thing because we had no training or anything and we just managed to pick it up really easily. And I think we recorded about... 10 or 15 songs on that. Yeah. So that was probably the That was probably both, both of our first introductions to Adore software and an audio, and yeah. using an audio interface to like that. But it, we didn't, I guess it, yeah, it was our first introduction to music production. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good foundation. How did you find the um, recording on your door by yourself compared to paying the man in the studio to do it for you? It was good in the, in the sense that you're in control, so you have, like, more creative freedom. But I didn't know what I was doing, so it definitely wouldn't have sounded as polished. But there's definitely a sense when you're in a studio and the guy's just kind of, like, sorting it out for you. He's just, He's putting his own twist on what you've recorded. And you don't necessarily... Because we, we didn't know what was going on at all, didn't really know what to ask for if we wanted something to change. Whereas yeah. if you're leading it then you can mess around until it, you have what you want which which i was actually because i knew i was going to be doing this today last night i was looking through some old recordings and i found one that i did with one of my good school friends at the time it's like a, a six and a half minute song where i think we cover all genres can we play a clip i, I can play some for you now if you want it's it's one. I'd say it's the second best thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> okay, so it's called um, <laughs> Bernard in the Key of S, <laughs> which I did remember, but I didn't remember until I found it that the album that it's on, one track album, is called The Edge of Brilliance, and it goes, uh, goes like this. Get, so it's got a good outfit. Ah! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> All right. Wow. How do you top that? Wow. Um, I, well, I guess my point is, if you were in a studio, there's no way that you'd have, you'd end up doing something like that because you'd be firstly too embarrassed and <laughs> secondly, probably not have the time to go through all that. Um, but no, that was so like, I did, I did that. Yeah, I had a big, bit of a hiatus, but then it, in my first year of uni, someone I was in halls with, who t- ended up turning into one of my good friends now, he he played a lot of instruments. He's like he's a drummer. He's like a trained drummer, but he also plays piano very well and guitar. Um, and he had a piano and a guitar at uni, and we ended up just jamming all the time, but never really got around to writing anything. I guess this is it's quite poignant, it's something that you've talked about quite a lot, is not being able to finish anything. Um, I guess we had the even bigger problem of not being able to start anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we just, like, endlessly jamming? This is an interesting story. So, we never wrote anything until we went to see... We went to see the 1975 when they played in Newcastle. This was, like, after the release of their first EP probably so it was a, it was in like a little venue to about 50 people and after the gig we ended up chatting to the band and Chris my roommate flatmate he's just like he's very charismatic and he's like the kind of person who will talk to you for ages and he ended up talking to Matty Healy just on his own for like 20 minutes while we were all just like sitting having a drink and he came back to us and was like right we need to record a song <laughs> Because basically he'd convinced he he'd like convinced Matt Healy to if we'd send him a song and it was good then they'd like consider letting us support them on like their next tour. Um oh yeah, and like precursor to this, Chris's band from school had supported the nineteen seventy five before when they supported Little Comets or something. Anyway, so they had like a history. Dropping names left, oh, yeah. right, and centre here. This is exactly what I yeah. guests. <laughs> um, so yeah, he he came back to me and my other friend Jordy and was like, "Yeah, so we need to record a song," and then that was the stimulus we needed to get going on a musical project. So then we recorded a song in Chris's bedroom, which in hindsight was probably not the best w- choice. We just recorded what we wanted to, not really thinking about what they would have wanted. And we ended up, that ended up being a nine-minute ambient song um, with no vocals and vocal samples of, like, I don't know, like the shipping forecast or something. It's a great song, but needless to say, he didn't reply to the email. Uh, um, that's, that's disappointing. But that was... Heartbreak. That was the start of, like, my latest musical project, which has ended up being a band at uni called C. And we played one gig... And again, we really needed the stimulus to like start and finish a project, so we ended up getting a gig supporting a band called Polar Sets. And then that we had like a firm deadline and we had to write twenty minutes worth of material before then. So I, I can see a theme here of um needing a deadline to get stuff done, which leads yes. us quite nicely onto making an album in a year. Uh do you think that without that deadline you wouldn't do it. Yes, definitely. Because um, I feel like that I've wanted to do something similar for ages, but it's just the kind of thing that I, yeah, you just never get round to. I've got other things going. I'm also like, I have other like art projects that I'm doing in my personal time. So it's like, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's like if I'm not working, it's not the only thing that I would spend time on. But now with the whole coronavirus isolation and the year deadline, I think, yeah, it's definitely pushed me to do something. And I feel like isolation is quite a re- introspective time, so it's a good time to kind of start writing about stuff maybe <laughs> yeah it's what we talked about in the last episode the resistance thing it's like yeah it's if you don't have a deadline or it think 
it, things just kind of, you know, you want to do it, but it just, it just gets pushed to one side and distractions creep in and it just never gets done. I mean, me, yeah, it sounds like you're very similar to me and Jack in the way that you've always had little projects ongoing, finishing songs, maybe doing gigs and things like that, but no real thing to, at the end to kind of show for it in a way. I mean, no piece of art uh, to you can look back on in years to come and be like, yeah, that's something I, I finished and, and produced, I think. So that was our main driver. And I think it sounds like you're you're in a similar boat, which is cool. Yeah. Even the Polar Sets gig, the song, we tried to record the songs that we wrote for that gig and we like finished one of them and the other two just never got past like the first yeah so one, trial. once the gig was done you didn't have the incentive to, yeah, to finish exactly, recording yeah. now you're starting um this album project what have you got access to in terms of equipment i'm a, i'm guessing you're going to self-produce self-write everything is it, is it just going to be you are you going to get back in touch with chris um or yeah or, and yeah what what access what equipment have you got access to in your in your flat it's a good question about Chris. (laughs) I think I haven't told him that I'm doing it. Uh, My plan is to get, I think, everything that will be on the album in a state where it's at least the formation of a thing, the building blocks of a song, and then maybe take it to him. Because he's definitely more talented than me, but I would say less organized. So the combination of those two things potentially will be good. I think mastering, depending on how happy I am with it, I'll probably get someone else to do that because that's like a whole other world mm. that I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a topic we've not even really considered yet. It's definitely later down yeah. the line. Yeah, mixing and mastering, we'll come on to that later. <laughs> and in terms of me equipment, I, yeah, the first time I spoke to you, Rob, about this, I was toying with the idea of not buying any equipment to assist and just using the things that I've got in my flat, but which at the time was an acoustic guitar, a Zoom microphone, which I'd have no way of connecting that to the computer, so I'd have to, every time I recorded something, take the SD card out and plug that into the computer. I had a Korg Monotron like stylus. Oh, a tiny little like the tiny one. Yeah. <laughs> The delay one, so anything you play just sounds like the end of the world. It's great. And then a keyboard in the shape of a cat's face that's like smiling. Uh, it's got beats on it. Can you hear this? <laughs> well, there's a song. So- <laughs> I think at least there's got to be like a secret bonus track or something that is used only only using those instruments. Um, but since then, I've bought an audio interface and a new bass guitar. Uh, and they're probably going to buy a MIDI keyboard as well. That cat, that cat keyboard doesn't do MIDI. Who knew? That would be amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did actually... It doesn't there's need a to. YouTube, there's a YouTube channel of a guy who like reviews all sorts of keyboards and instruments and he has a tutorial where he hooks up this specific cat keyboard to an audio interface by like reconfiguring how it connects to the speakers into like a line out <laughs> thing yeah so it is possible <laughs> so yeah you've got plenty of stuff to be uh, i mean we've said this before really you can make an entire album and many people have with just a laptop now we've got with all the built-in effects and built-in virtual synthesizers and interesting things you can do on there. So really, anything on top of that is a bonus. So yeah, you're in good stead there, it sounds. I actually haven't picked up an instrument and tried to write anything for the album yet, but I have thought about it. <laughs> and I, yeah. the way I am thinking about it, I, I'm imagining... Well, I've started writing like ideas for lyrics and that kind of thing, but I can't sing... <laughs> So that could be an issue in the future, but maybe I'll try rapping. <laughs> that that is something that maybe me and Rob should cover in another episode as well. The vocal side of things, um, we've got got a few decisions to make there ourselves. Yeah, what are you doing? 
we don't know it may be a case of trying out a few different things and getting a few other people to to see what they think but it's strange coming at it when you're not you've not been in a band and you've not you've not got a most bands will have a singer from the start or will have will have an idea of who's a singer and they'll already have a style it, it's interesting and it's quite exciting because it's like a, a blank you know you could you could go in any direction with it but it, it obviously completely changes the sound of the album depending on what you choose so yeah it would be interesting yeah. to, to think about that we'll, we'll have we'll have to uh when we get to it we'll definitely do an episode on it there's a guy called Moths who did an album where he is not a confident singer so he just um, put a shitload of reverb and effects over his own vocals so it sounds this really haunting ghostly (laughs) thing and it does sound good that's the kind of thing that I'm gravitating towards at the moment just drowning everything in effects and uh, hopefully the, the voice will be unrecognisable <laughs> my own. Yeah. We mentioned on a previous episode that you were thinking of doing this and you were going to approach it uh, from a different way to us. Rather than just jumping in and writing songs, you were going to try and plan things out beforehand. Is that still the case? Listening back to you saying that, I did start to question my process. I am kind of aware that it's probably not the not that there is a correct way but the traditional way to write music but I don't know I think I'm going to go with it for now because it just seems mad to me to just start writing music and then try and make that into an album and I guess I guess that, that if you did just write a load of songs then that would represent this time in your life but I don't know, the way that I'm writing it is this kind of, like, very personal, retrospective, introspective thing about the last, like, ten years. So I'm very much planning it out, like, yeah, quite thoroughly, kind of scene by scene, and the thought of just, like, randomly writing music, and then thinking of, and then attaching that to a song sounds a bit mad especially from like the design background that I come from it's like if I was designing a building it'd be like designing a really pretty building and then being like ah yeah let's make it a school (laughs) yeah that's interesting I I think the foundation of the song should come from the place that I'm trying to go does that make sense? (laughs) so like (laughs) the start writing thing it was something with the mindset of it's going to be a song about this specific thing and it should sound kind of like this feeling and at least have that as a foundation and then see where it goes from there and maybe not be too precious about it after then organically. It's like you've got an itinerary and if you happen to deviate from that, so be it, but you're setting out with an idea of where you want to go. So like at work if I was doing something, if we were doing a project, one of the first things we do is do loads of research around that topic just to see what else has been done, try and get a bit of inspiration. So I have started compiling a list of songs and albums that have aspects that I find interesting and things that I want to have in my album. Not necessarily like the sound of the song, but like a thing that they did hmm. that I want. Can care to share any uh, any examples? <laughs> the book is back. This is the book. We need to get a book. It, so the first one's Enter Shikari take to the skies which I wrote down the things that I like about it is that there's a motif that runs through the whole album so it's like recurring themes which I like the idea of especially if it's like quite a personal thing are they lyrical or musical motifs? so there's one there's one lyrical motif that's like it's almost like a chant that crops up in I think at least three songs and still we will be here yeah, yeah.
I like that they mix the genres a lot, which I did. I think at the time I not heard before. So it's like electronic, but also metal and quite poppy. Yeah. So that's cool, and it's very. There's lots of peaks and troughs. Vivaldi's Four Seasons reinterpreted by Max Richter. I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, but no, I haven't. So he's like a contemporary composer who reinterpreted Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I listened to an interview with him. He, do you know the song on the nature of daylight? And he wrote it. If you've seen the film Arrival, it's it. The film starts with that song. It's like a super emotional song. It's in loads of films actually. It's in Shutter Island as well. I've anyway, seen Shutter Island, so I've probably probably heard the track. I think you'll recognise it. And I, I heard an interview with him about this song, and he said. He talks about it so casually as well, and definitely he thought about it so much, and he's like a ridiculously talented guy. But he, he just described one thing. It's like, oh yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's like a full orchestra playing, but he's playing a synth, a really low synth kind of like pad underneath it. And he's just like, oh yeah, I just pitched everything down an octave on the synth, and everyone seems to love that. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> so that's in there going to be a lot of low rumbling synths nice uh, it's good for creating atmosphere it is something quite interesting that I've noticed with Becca my girlfriend we have a def- very different opinion on what's happy and what's sad in terms of music like the other day I've, we were listening yeah, to yeah I found that with, with various people um, and sometimes it's a, a, li- a lyrics for music thing someone listens to lyrics and thinks oh these are well sad but the music's quite uplifting Sometimes it's just a different interpretation of what the lyrics are saying, things like that. We had it with Van Morrison's Madame George, and I was like, I just discovered it. And I was like, this is great, it's like the perfect summer song. And I was like, this is the saddest thing I've ever heard. I think the lyrics are really sad. Maybe depending on how you feel at that particular time, <laughs> you know, you could listen yeah. to it on two different days and it could feel sad or it could feel uh, uplifting, depending on how you feel. I mean, if I can get something like that, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one that I'll say is, it's Lau, the folk band. There's like this idea of this music representing like a physical thing. The song is kind of a sea shanty, not a sea shanty, but something related to the sea. And it starts with this, like the effect that's on an accordion sounds like ropes kind of a, mm, so it's the almost ropes like... that attach the boat to the harbour it's like it sounds like a thing Like it's not like a really kind of yeah creating but not so with, obvious that it's like yeah it's not like a sound effect but it's yeah 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 kind exactly. of leaning that way 
Yeah. So I guess all you're doing here really is just being a bit more organized with your inspiration, just getting it down and making sure. I think a lot of people would like hear a song and if they have the luxury, they just go and pick up an instrument and then or that evening maybe write something that is inspired by that particular thing. But you're just being a bit more sensible and you've then if you've got that book you've always you can just pick it up and start at any point you can just you don't have to wait for inspiration to strike you've always got some stuff to a place to start yeah so good idea i'm very conscious that i don't want it to be because i know especially in the past when i was in like fino martini at school we'd just be like i want to write a song that's like this song and then we just write like a riff off of some Mm. like block party song or something Mm, I read a a thing from Nick Cave recently where someone wrote in to him saying, oh, I've noticed one of your songs sounds like a lot like a bit of a song from another band before. And then he wrote back saying, yeah, I've just listened to that song. It sounds really fucking similar. But um, but it's like that's kind of an artist's right to kind of play, not plagiarize, but kind of plunder things from everywhere as long as you as long as you kind of enhance it. If you take it somewhere and make it better or, you know, dif- different, then that's a good thing. I also think that there will always be coincidental similarities. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you remember this, Rob, but I swear that one of the songs that we recorded at home when we were really young, a song... One a song by Block Party, which was released after we did that, sounded remarkably similar in one part, and that made me think that obviously they couldn't have copied us, <laughs> but <laughs> there's got to be some kind of coincidence. Oh, so there's there's like twelve notes, and there's millions of songs, and well, I've not heard most of them, but inevitably I'm going to write the same parts of someone else the majority of rock songs are written in four four timing a lot of them are around at or around 120 beats per minute um with the same instruments like guitars drums and bass and you, you you're gonna and you're sticking in standard tuning <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of a lot of possibility okay so we've got a few basic questions that we're gonna ask you and potentially ask any future guests we get on um, the first one is putting you on the spot massively, but what would you say is your favourite album of all time? Uh, I have two answers, so yeah. that's not an answer. <laughs> that's, that's acceptable. That's you know, there's a margin of error, plus or minus one. Okay, so the first one, I don't think it's the most crazy answer, but "Tack" by Cigarettes. Um. Every time that I go back to it, I kind of assume that my musical taste will have evolved, or and I just won't find it amazing anymore. But it's 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 one of those albums where every song is amazing. There's such there's a lot of variation in it, and it's so emotional, especially considering I don't understand the language that it's sung in, and Vari don't know how you meant to pronounce that but that is that's the song that i've imagined in desert island disc would be the one that i save that'll be the, the one waves. of your rates yeah if you can play play the bit at the end which is like the it has this bit where there's just strings kind of going in and out the bit that sounds like breathing and it's so nice And when I'm on the Desert Island from Desert Islanders, I imagine that's the song I'll be listening to whilst dying of dehydration when the waves lap against my face. That's a beautiful image. (laughs) And then the second one is... um, (laughs) Embarrassingly, I don't know, I can't remember what it's called, but it's by Talk Talk. 
Um, and I, I don't know if you can call it an album because I think it's only got about five songs on it. Um, I would say that's an EP. But if they're long songs, maybe you could call it an album. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. It it's called Laughing Stock. It's the last album that they released. Um, and it's interesting as because it came out before I was born. I feel it's weird that I could call it a favourite album because, I, I don't know, there's so many albums that I have nostalgia about because I grew up with them and they're very much the music of my era. But this, I only found out about it maybe four or five years ago when Guy Garvey go back to the <laughs> I, I was going to say, um, was it Newgrass from that album? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Newgrass was the song on this album that he chose and I listened to it and it's amazing and I listened to the whole album and the whole album's just ridiculous. bit about my musical taste I, I I like to think that I have a reasonably broad taste but my bread and butter <laughs> musical taste I would say is ambient atmospheric music of which that album draws very heavily on um, it's so emotional but not always in a sad way um, and, I've, and it also has quite a nice backstory that I've since read about which kind of adds a little more mystery to it and this kind of story of talk talk and how they got to where they were they used to be like the super pop band when they did it's my life that kind of era and then they evolved into this it's like i can't believe that it happened i think one of the members of the band left and they just i read a story that the lead singer who was it was basically his project he insisted that they record under specific conditions of incense and candle lighting and just ridiculous things. <laughs> but I think you can, it does like kind of come across in the music, even though that sounds quite pretentious. Have you uh, been, are you tempted to try and replicate that? <laughs> but That's something yeah. I've definitely never tried, is like creating an atmosphere to, in which to record in. It's, I'm always just writing in my studio, just with a lamp on, that's it there's no yeah. I don't change any of the things around me maybe I should try that <laughs> I think I mean I don't know if this is true but maybe you could argue if you're kind of in a if you set a scene like that this is stupid but if you set a scene like that and you get really into it and you're like in the mood but then the day ends and you want to recreate that then maybe by recreating the environment you can get back into that frame of mind hmm uh, it's an interesting interesting idea because obviously mu- the music and smells and sights and things take you back to uh, yeah. places and times. So, yeah, let us know how it works if you try it. Maybe I'll release this album along with a tasting note <laughs> that you have to, <laughs> you have to <laughs> eat something. <laughs> now that's interesting. Or smell something at the same time, yeah. Yeah, sometimes the weather and the, the time of year affects how, I guess, how I am uh, approach a song occasionally when I look out the window as I'm recording. If it's raining usually raining in Manchester so our album's going to be depressing as hell I think it's nice to be doing it now actually because we've all spent so much time in this one place I like the idea that listening back to it it'll remind me of this place which is good because I could like this place <laughs> if I was trapped in some horrible apartment then maybe it'd be bad but very thorough I like it uh, another question we were going to ask was if there's anything you've been listening to, an album you've been listening to recently that has inspired you? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I've actually... So, through my work, I'm, at the moment I'm working on a project which is about the history of British music. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, I I really struggle to describe it. So... I studied architecture, but now I work for a design company who do uh, the like set design and video design for 
theatre and like live performances, but also exhibitions. Um, yeah. So anyway, I can't really tell you anything about the project legally, <laughs> but all you need to know is that there's, there's a project that's about the history of British music. So through that, I've just listened to basically so much music from kind of post-World War Two to now that I would never touch before. So, kind of, well, what are the most interesting things? A lot of punk. No, these aren't going inspir- to inspire the album, I don't think, which is quite interesting to kind of fill in a few gaps in my knowledge. I actually did really, I don't know if I mentioned this to you already, Rob, but I really got into, like, grime and drill music, um, which is, like, the contemporary British music scene, I guess. But I, I, like, I definitely can't draw on those. I don't think. I don't... I feel there's something a bit weird about a middle-class white boy <laughs> doing a drill album. But you don't necessarily uh, need to do a grime or drill album. You can, no, you can take some of the ideas from, like, the, yeah, the production. There's a, yeah, there are, like... I think, especially in terms of, like, the, the percuss- percussive elements from drill, I find really interesting... Uh, maybe uh, yeah I feel like I can draw from some of those if you want one specific album I really enjoyed Heady One's album Gang which is (laughs) I got really excited because I never saw myself as the kind of person who would get into that kind of music so it's like a drill album but then after reading a bit more about it it turns out that a lot of his fans think he massively sold out and has gone He's not like a proper drill artist anymore, uh, because he's like he's collaborated with Jamie XX and. But I mean, for me, it's pretty good. It's great. There's one song actually, uh, to narrow it down even further, which I found quite, uh, maybe not inspirational because I can't see myself rapping, but it's definitely interesting. On the song "Gang," where he, the song starts with like a rumbling bass uh, like a synth pad maybe and then he just starts rapping really rhythmically and then the beat comes in after maybe 30 seconds of him rapping which is really interesting and then everything comes together and normally I think of it being the other way around where there'll be a beat and then you start rapping along with the beat kind of reversing that the moment when the drum comes in it like has such an impact it's really great Two months and I ain't been home I still say my hair and Mary when I break each O Parts don't know if I'm dead or alive I just bagged this first set at this nine Got nicked up in country, fell in love with this life I never knew that Joe would be the next time I write My shorty wanted someone doing better in life They did a lie when they say you're out of sight, out of mind Told myself I make sure they can't forget me next time I got lit, really had to take those risks You ever sat in public transport casually with half a brick? You ever been up north? No one to relate to on the wing I had more than enough time to think of a plan Together, try to think we're a gang. Now they're talking drill and trap, and then they think of the gang. More than enough time to think of a plan. Now they trap, 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 and then they think of the gang. More than enough time to think of a plan. Together, try to think we're a gang. Now they're talking drill and trap, and then they think of the gang. Yeah, I, I like songs um, where you feel like the elements are in place um, before the drums come in, and remember drums come in. And then you yeah. forget that they weren't there before and they kind of had a whole like new level of impact. So, Matt, you mentioned your background in architecture. Uh, I thought I would test your knowledge a little bit with a short quiz uh, on famous architecture on music album covers. <laughs> cool. Um, so, you know, Do I get to see them? Uh, no, because the listener doesn't get to okay. see them, so that that would uh, kind of dilute the experience. Yeah, but I'll, I'll describe them to you. I mean, this will okay. this will prove very little about your architecture or your musical knowledge, but um, <laughs> let's let's give it a <laughs> go anyway. Fun. It might make good radio. <laughs> okay, album architecture quiz question one: Which building in London? appears on the cover of Pink Floyd's album, Animals. Um, 
I don't know the album, but I would guess the Battersea Power Station. It's that, isn't it? It's for a right answer, yes. Yes, that's the only building that I know that's related to Pink Floyd. Iconic. So, yeah. yeah. Well done, one for one. Question Do two. I even have to name the architect? I don't uh, know the architect. Uh, <laughs> then, then no. I mean, if you've got that information to hand, then great. But I, I don't have it. Um, question two. The Beverly Hills Hotel features on one of the best-selling albums of all time. But what is the album? Beverly Hills Hotel. Can you describe it to me? Uh, <laughs> the Beverly Hills Hotel in California. Beverly Hills, California. Uh, I'll just get it up now. So the building is quite ornate, um, but it's on the album cover, it's, you've got palm trees in the foreground. It's kind of a, a, t- a twilight uh, sunset scene. Hmm. Is it Will Smith's Big Willie style? So close. <laughs> <laughs> the answer I was looking for was Hotel California. I oh, oh that's great. <laughs> it's a hotel in California. Yeah, okay. Hmm. I thought you said palm trees and I instinctively thought Will mine, Smith. Mine went to Will Smith. Understandable. Yeah, he's the king okay. of the palm trees. Right, this one uh, might test your architecture knowledge. Croatia's Petrova Gora monument features on which band's self-titled debut album released in 2011? Oh, Do, God. Does that mean anything to you? No, <laughs> it's, it's um, kind of it's quite a weird abstract structure. It's like metallic. Um, it's so it's sort of it's almost spirals upwards. It's kind of wider at the top than the bottom. Yeah, I mean, who had self-titled albums in 2011? I think there's more chance of me getting it from that. <laughs> um, I don't know. You can have a clue. Um, the clue is the band was called Unknown Mortal Orchestra. I don't have any more information to give you. <laughs> okay. oh, <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. Oh, this is hard. That was, that was a hard really one. Hopefully the next next ones will be slightly easier. Um, number four, the Oasis album, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, prominently features which skyscraper? It's a very, very famous um, skyscraper. Um, is it the Empire State Building? Is correct. Yeah. <laughs> it was either that or the Gherkin. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think was built on I'm that not sure. Yeah, I think it was about year 2000. All right, last question. This is one for uh, architecture enthusiasts two buildings designed by Bertrand Goldberg I mean that name doesn't mean anything to oh, you oh god and collectively not really collectively, <laughs> well you might struggle yeah and collectively known as Marina City feature on the cover of Wilco's album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot but in which city can these distinctive towers be found I guess it's, it's, it's the UK, right? It's not the UK. It's in America. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. Marina. Okay, let's be logical about this. Marina City, you say? That's Yeah, for some reason, that's what the, um, the buildings are known as. That makes me think it's near some water. It is on a riverfront. Uh I'm going to say Detroit. It was a gamble. It was a gamble, and it's not paid off. The answer is, <laughs> the answer is Chicago. Oh, that, that, I, off, that, that was off. quite... Um, that was my. That was on the tip of my tongue. I always said that because I was trying to think of Detroit. <laughs> well, you got two out of five. Well, that was awful. Was, it was a difficult quiz, and... Um, yeah, it was very difficult. We can you got two, right? That's, too, that's not too bad draw very few conclusions from it. 
<laughs> it makes me realise how little I know about both music and architecture. I mean, it might have helped if you could have seen the uh, the album covers, but I didn't let you do that. So I'm happy I got one. You got two. You got two. Yeah. Well, maybe we will include the architecture music quiz in every episode from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if an architect um, graduate can't even get full marks, then I'm no, not sure what hope our future guests will have. Yeah. <laughs> we had a very bad uh, um, architecture history lecturer, so I blame him. <laughs> our uh, defence against the album arts teacher... <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Actually, when I was nice, there's an album title, was... maybe <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter inspired covers. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the Tude Lighting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this uh, slightly different interview episode, uh, and it wasn't too much of just a rambling conversation with my own brother. But uh, yeah, I think it provided some useful thoughts and uh, it's good to see how someone else is approaching the same process the process of tune lighting uh, as i always say if there's anyone else out there who is thinking of taking up the tune lighting challenge as well do let us know and you never know we might get you on the podcast as well to uh, talk through what's influencing you and uh, what your favorite albums are and maybe you'll even get to do an architecture quiz because that worked so well please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and give us a rating on iTunes just to just helps us get a little bit more exposure and get the podcast out there and you can now follow us on all social media Instagram Twitter Facebook where we'll be posting more regular updates about our progress on the album uh, and all sorts of fun things like that so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week